Okay, you guys ready? So as I mentioned, I, do want, to, I want to actually talk about overcoming discouragement. I feel it in the atmosphere, and I think it's something we need to talk about in church more. Amen? Okay, so we're going to have a little, a little interactive moment right now. Honestly, in all transparency, who deals with discouragement? Okay, if that's you, stand up. <coughs> Look around the room. That's most people. Okay, thank you for your honesty. So I want to talk about this right now because discouragement... Can anyone tell me what is the objective of discouragement? To get you to stop. That's exactly right. Discouragement is actually a weapon. And it is designed to intervene or to head you off getting somewhere or achieving something. Discouragement is a weapon formed against you. Does that sound familiar? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. See, I, I happen to believe that nothing has authority over me unless I agree with it. Nothing on this planet has authority over me unless I agree with it. Do you understand that Satan, although he is the God of this world, had no authority over Jesus. That's why he tried to tempt him. Do you understand that? The three temptations that we know of after he was led out into the desert. Satan was trying to to gain authority over Jesus in the same way he gained authority over Adam and Eve by tempting him. Someone getting this? So discouragement is actually a weapon that has been built against you as a siege weapon. And can I say this? In a military sense, you only mobilize and build weapons against someone or something that is a threat to your kingdom. Interesting thought, isn't it? You only ever build something of... I was just spat some anointing right now. You only ever build, I was getting passionate about this, but you only ever build something of a threat or a defense to something that you believe truly is a threat. Right. So I feel like we need to talk about discouragement and depression in the church because the more I look around, the more people that hold the name of Jesus are starting to talk about, hey, I've got problems with depression. And I do happen to believe that no weapon formed against you, not just me, will prosper. Because the same Jesus that raised, sorry, the same Father, the same God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and in you. I don't have a special anointing that you don't have access to. See, I think one of the problems with modern church is that that ministers have taught people because they need to feel like celebrities that they have a special level that you don't. Now, while I do believe that there are measures of the power and the strength of God that people can tap into, the anointing, it's the same spirit. So there's there's not hierarchies in the kingdom. There's only servanthood. Hello? 
I know I say things that are a little controversial, but that's only because you've been brainwashed with popular Christianity. And we need to get back to the old ways of God where we're all just at his feet. Does this make sense? I do believe in double honor of those that lead. I do believe that we should uh, greatly respect those that pour into us, 100%. You'll find, if you look at me when I'm around the people I call my spiritual fathers and mothers, you'll find that I walk with the greatest humility and honor and respect of them. But at the same time, I have the same Jesus that they have. And while they're further along, and I honor that, I'm going in the same direction. And I have access to the same anointing if I'll just give myself to it. Hello? Okay. I just want to make that really clear. Because I do believe that we've been fed some garbage. And we need to defunct that and get that out of the, out of the toxins of the system. Okay, so I want, to, I want to say this. Discouragement is a gateway. I took a couple of notes. Discouragement is a gateway to depression. In the same way that hope is a gateway to faith. You have to understand that every weapon that the devil has ever formed against you, he has copied from the model of God that God has built. Hope is a glimpse of the future. Faith is believing that glimpse. Discouragement is the emotional reality that something is starting to actually become real. Depression is believing there's no other way. Does this make sense? And that's why discouragement is as dangerous as depression. Because depression is believing that there is now no other way out. And discouragement is the postcard that invites you there. Can we talk about discouragement today? Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about this because it comes in a slightly different context for different scenarios. And I want to just talk about three or four. (coughs) Discouragement comes from a few different causes. One of them, we know the scripture well. It's quoted by many, can I say this, emo Christians. (laughs) I think that's a thing actually, emo Christians. Emo Christians means like, you know, emotionally depressed Christians. It's kind of a cultural, no, not evil, not evil Christians. Emo, E-M-O. It's, it's kind of like a, it's a cultural word. Yeah, it's short for emotional. Okay. Kind of emotionally dark is another way of saying it. Okay. So the first one, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, is how many times have you heard that quoted by someone that, oh, just, you know, that promise that God said he was going to give me. I'm just so discouraged. I've been waiting for nine months now and it hasn't happened. You know, or Christian singles, hope deferred makes the heart grow sink. I haven't met my wife yet. I haven't met my husband. And it's just everything's very dark. And while that has a reality to it, it actually has an invitation into a dark place. Hello. Two weeks ago, I talked about the power of joy. Come on. All right. So now we're going to come at this from a slightly different angle. I didn't plan this. This is God. God's obviously going after stuff right now in in this house. And that's good. Okay? Because, can I say this before I carry on with the other three causes of of, uh, discouragement or despair? It's real easy to assume the familiar position of just feeling bad about ourselves. 
And it's almost like an adrenaline or an, an, um, what's the word? It's not an endorphin. It's almost like an endorphin, but it's a negative dark one where people just constantly live in this state of discouragement. Or have you ever had it where you're just doing really well and God, man, I'm just starting to really make it. And then poof, you take that hit and it's like, oh, man. Oh, man. Just, oh, I just feel so discouraged. Do you know what discouragement does? It takes your strength away. It takes your strength away. It takes away your will to fight. It takes away your joy, your joy that gives you strength to pursue the vision of God. Discouragement causes you to lose hope, which leads to faith. That's why when discouragement hits, it is a powerful weapon if you agree with it. It brings you to a standstill. Do you know in the kingdom, in your, in your walk with Jesus, you are either moving forward. You ever heard those people say, I'm just, putting, I'm just putting God and church and my relationships on pause right now? You ever heard anyone say that? that doesn't, that's non-existent. That is an illusion. Thunderbirds. It's an illusion. <laughs> It's something that you can hear, but you can't actually put physical, tangible touch on it. Interesting. Anyways, let, let me just jump to my other two points, my other three points. Here's another way that discouragement kicks in. Repeated failure. This is my second point on, on sources. Repeated failure. Now, that could be failure from a point of view of you trying to achieve something and it falling over or not working. Maybe you've failed in business. Maybe you've failed in relationships. Maybe you've failed in trying to learn a skill set. Maybe you've tried to pass a test a couple of times and it hasn't worked. The other side of repeated failure is where you're trying to overcome a particular sin area that's binding you up and you feel like you keep falling into it. And discouragement starts to come where you lose the will to fight that sin and you just want to give in and just be that thing. Hello. Talking real talk now. Discouragement. That's point number two. Don't worry, we're just identifying this thing and then we're going to just kill it. Because God's in the business of just killing stuff. That's actually a lie. True? That's actually kind of cool having them jets flying over right now. I don't like that. Here, the third reason where discouragement happens is when we experience personal insult or we are robbed somehow. Whether that be someone has mistreated us Someone has uh, abused us repeatedly. Someone has robbed us or ripped us off. There is a discouragement that can come that can blanket your joy and take your hope away. Ever, ever heard anyone say that statement? They felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath me. It's like you thought that you had things figured out and you were kind of getting on top of things and... All of a sudden, the rug got pulled out, you fell over on the ground, and what you thought you had, you didn't have. Discouragement. Okay. The fourth point for sources of discouragement. Because I want to identify this because it's so easy to hear a message like this and zone in on one aspect and not really identify, because we're always thinking for someone else, oh, this is really a good message for Johnny. I hope they're listening today. 
True? Yeah, but reading out this kind of thing, it just helped. Oh, yeah, I, I think I do that. Let's just make a little promise to ourselves today. We're not looking at anyone else. We're not hoping that someone else is seeing this. We're, we're getting God to help us today. Say, I'm worth it. You are. You, you're worth it. When we see other people as our source, we get discouraged. Have you ever tried to get affirmed by somebody and they're just not giving the affirmation out? Have you ever tried to get recognized by someone or, or you're looking at them for some level of approval and it's not happening? Or even worse, they're giving you the opposite of what you were hoping for and they're beating you down, right? Or they're, they're disrespecting you somehow or they've actually told you that you're a failure, right? When we see people as our source, you're going to be disappointed, now, we can see people in different forms of source. Sometimes people can see their, their, a person as their uh, uh, source of hope or approval in a spouse or a partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, right? And if things get bumpy or if boyfriend, girlfriend break up, there can be a discouragement because I was looking for something in that person that they actually weren't designed to give me. We have to get those things from God. God is the only person that can feed your soul. He's the only one that can feed your soul. That way, when, you know, like when I was, when I, I didn't date for a very long time. I had, you know, some of my employees at the time in my late 20s and early 30s asking me some very strange questions about, you know, was I not attracted to women? And I said, yes, I am. I'm just, I just know in me that I need some time. And I, and I need to be ready and I want God to do what it needs to be done in me. Because if we try and date because we want to be completed, uh, half a person plus half a person doesn't make one. One plus one equals one. Does this make sense? And we try and fix ourselves by finding someone else to make us feel good. But actually in the kingdom, it looks like being healed and whole, so that when I meet my spouse, when I met, when I met Bex, uh, that was actually not me trying to get something from her so I'd feel like a better person. That's how divorces happen. Realizing that, oh, you can't give me what I was trying to take from you because I feel bad about me. And so what happens is, is that just this really messed up, empty thing, but actually if you let God heal you, you stop seeing people as a source and you realize that love gives and lust takes. Does this make sense? So we can say, it could be an employer, it could be a career opportunity, it could be a university colleague or friend or teacher, it could be all different, it could be a family member. It could even be a mother or father where you're trying to get something from someone, you see them as a source and they're breaking your heart. Hello? Discouragement. I know there's a little bit of pain me talking about this because now we're starting to really connect the dots. Can I say this? Some of you have been living in discouragement and not even knowing it because it has become so normal to you, you've accepted it as a, as a reality of your environment. Good news today, it's leaving. Okay, we, we just defy every dark cloud that's been hovering over you in the name of Jesus. Okay, but until the thief is caught, he has free license. And so that's why I like preaching and teaching stuff like this, because until you recognize it, you can't claim your rights. So we need to talk about this stuff. So either, the, you know, look, 
I know so many Christians that just want to go get counseling or go to the doctor for medication. Your answer is not in a pill. Your answer is in the goodness of God coming and radically setting you free. And you deciding to live in that freedom. You deciding to tell the devil no when he comes knocking with terrible thoughts about who you are. You know, because in all of this, the general theme is, if not checked, it becomes self-hate. Well, maybe I'm the reject. Well, maybe I'm the misfit. Maybe I'm the loser. And it becomes this very negative, dark thing. It either plays out like a, like a, like a uh, victim or it plays out like a self-hate thing. And ultimately, we just end up hating everyone else. Okay, so now that we've defined this, can we look at some scriptures? Yeah. Is that cool? Is someone getting something today? Yeah. Because look, I, I really don't know everyone personally really, really well here, but I know most people. But I will say this, I know human nature. Every single person in this room struggles with depression, uh, sorry, discouragement at times. Right. Every single one of you has this. And those of you that didn't stand up, don't feel bad. You just haven't maybe recognized it for what it is yet. But it's a real thing. Okay. And I would say this, that depression has become an epidemic in our generation that is far more spiritually orientated than medically treated. We've tried to treat things medically that are actually spiritual roots. Does this make sense? You can't medicate your spirit. You can maybe dull your mind, but you can't medicate your spirit. And so that's why we need to be aware and vigilant because our devil, the adversary, walks around like. That word like actually looks like imitation, a roaring lion. What that really makes way to looking like is actually it looks like an illusion. He cannot hurt you. The only thing he can do is lie to you and hope that you'll believe him. Well, I, I, went, out, I went out tuna fishing with two of my good friends here, Pastor Jeff and Dwayne. We went out tuna fishing like a week and a half ago. Bluefin tuna fishing. We went out for two days, 70 miles straight off the coast. The guys that were actually, uh, I love it when I get to do fishing and hunting because I'm like, this could be a great application and a message. <laughs> Fishers of men. No, but in this particular case, the guys that were actually the deckhands, what they said to me is they said, the average, because they, they literally, they spent, you know, normally when you go out in a small boat, they'll get a scoop of those live bait fish, the live fish, and they'll put them in the, in the tank. These guys spend like half an hour just scoop up. You lose count how many scoops. There's probably thousands and thousands of fish that go into this big tank, and you're out there 70 miles out for two days. You know what one of them said to me? He's like, oh, don't worry, just keep putting a new fish on every 60 seconds. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, normally the average is, is you have to put 50, 50 fish out to catch one tuna. And I thought to myself, you're a devil. <laughs> Not him, but I was thinking about the devil. Isn't that interesting how the devil doesn't mind how many little bait fish he has to dangle in front of you. He just wants you to bite one of them. Be vigilant. Be aware. Be alert. Because the devil, the imitation, the illusion of a lion walks around trying to bait you. And he doesn't, mind, he doesn't mind how many times he has to put a bait in the water. He just wants one bite. Okay. We need to kick depression out of the church. See, in the same level that I believe that cancer needs to be kicked out, I believe that depression and despair needs to be kicked out. Let me point in case it with this. 
If you find a discouraged Christian, you find a powerless Christian. If you find a depressed Christian, you find someone that's willing to give up on everything. True. It's true. It is a cancer, but it's a spiritual cancer designed to steal your joy, and it's designed to take your confidence away so that you won't trust God, you won't trust anyone, and you won't trust yourself. This is a real thing. And if you struggle with depression or discouragement in this room, guess what? Good news. Freedom is here. And I really mean that. Can I say this? Please, because I, I, I hear, sometimes I'll hear thoughts while, I'm, while I'm, uh, I'm preaching. You don't understand what it's like. Well, let me say this. I understand the devil. I understand him really well. He doesn't play fair. But you have to understand that the world has taught you down in Egypt to trust that idea. That no one understands you. That is a lie. See, I happen to believe that just one drop of the anointing can destroy every yoke of bondage on your life, your mind, your spirit, and your soul. So I don't need to know the medical particulars. I already know the spiritual one. And the spiritual one says this, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. In full, in total, 100%, without exception. Does this make sense? The reason I'm fighting this thing in the room right now, and I know that some of you are struggling with what I'm talking about, that's okay, I love you. That's why we're talking about this. I'm prepared to talk about a subject. There's not really too many subjects that we're not prepared to talk about here. Because I believe the church shouldn't just be a place of motivational freedom, uh, motivational speaking. It should be a place of real talk that sets people free. Does this make sense? No matter how uncomfortable. We're going to start talking about some uncomfortable stuff here. Come on. We need to. We need to because we've been conditioned and taught to speak certain things and not others. And then we wonder why half the church is walking around bound. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the body. I need to drink some special tea. My words are going to start changing into other words, and it's not going to go well. Okay. You guys with me? Okay, let's, let's march this thing out because, because it's taking me a minute here. I said, let's turn to the, first, the next scripture, and then we just went like another 20 minutes, and I don't know what, I don't know what happened there, but we, I'm pretty sure we're dislodging stuff right now. Some spiritual plaque. Okay, come with me to Romans chapter 7, verse 23 to 25. Sin. Let's talk about sin for a second. But I see another law in my members, he's talking about his body, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin. The devil wants you to believe that you are in a hopeless and futile situation. Jesus wants you to believe that you're free. It's really simple. Whether it be financial, relational, uh, health, body, physical, mental, whatever that looks like. Jesus wants you to believe that you have been set free. Okay. There's a good reason. Look, let me say this. Some of you have heard me quote this scripture a couple of times in the last couple of months, but I believe it's very relevant to our generation. In the book of Revelation, who believes we're in the end times? I believe, I believe we're approaching the end of days. Okay. In the book of Revelation, the Bible says that the beast made war against the minds of the saints to wear them out. Why would the devil want to wear out your mind? Because if he gets your mind, he gets everything else. See, the devil didn't speak to Eve's spirit. He spoke to her, her mental resource, her mind. True? 
He spoke to her reasoning and her emotions. God doesn't speak to your mind. He says your mind needs to be renewed, right? Romans 12. Your mind's messed up. Get it renewed by the washing of the word. He doesn't speak there. He speaks to your spirit. So the devil's looking to wear your mind out because if your mind feels heavy, you start feeling discouraged and then depressed and then you want to give up and nothing ever happens in the kingdom of God because we're all too tired, feeling miserable, needing like we need the next spiritual makeover. Or feeling like, you know what, I just need to go back to the world because it was easier back then. Right? I wish I didn't know much as much as I do now because it's just too tough now. It's too hard. I feel like I've attracted too much spiritual warfare. Well, chicken, grow some wings. You need to come up above that storm. Come on. Right? They that wait upon the Lord, what? Shall renew their strength. So that means that if my strength is weak, it means I haven't been waiting on the Lord. What does that mean? Spending time with him. They shall mount up on their wings as eagles. I preached about that recently, right? You come up above the storm and the turbulence and you actually start to get your head clear and you see straight. Okay, keep moving, Andrew. Keep moving. Okay. Uh, The law against the mind and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You ever felt like that before? Man, I just keep messing up. Man, I wish I hadn't said that. That was horrible, and I just, I just burnt that person and then walked away like a devil. And then, you all, then ultimately, you don't feel really good about it. You start feeling bad about yourself. There's so many different ways that we can talk about discouragement and despair and depression. Okay? Because our internal reality sometimes projects out, and it's, just, it's, it's not pretty. Right? But whatever way you look at it, you start to realize that there is sin working against you internally. Okay. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh the law of sin (coughs) your sin nature is fighting your spirit and your spirit is fighting your sin nature true but with that there often will come uh, a level of depression or discouragement or despair wherever whatever level it is in your personal life because we can feel trapped in our own failure you get what i'm saying cool we're not stopping there that's not my point that's not the end of the sermon there's hope come over the page to romans 8 this is the continue see sometimes what we do is we actually read chapters that was the end of the chapter and we, like, we just read the chapter and we're like, oh, God, that's really depressing. You ever done that before? Yeah. You read a chapter and you like get to the end of the chapter and it's like, oh, man, that's dark. The problem is, is that in, modern, in the modern world, we've put chapters and verses, but back in the day, it was just one continuous story. Yeah. And so the breaking up of it actually has kind of created a segment where it can kind of, you, can lose, you can lose continuation of a statement or a sentence or, or, or a, a message. So let's come right over and continue exactly what he's saying. Watch this. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Watch this. After having said all of that, say this with me. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Isn't that awesome? See, condemnation is a precursor to discouragement. You messed up. Who's, listen, listen. 
when you mess up, you make a mistake, you sin, you biff it, whatever that looks like for you, the first person to contact you was not your friend. The first person to contact you was the one that actually talked you into it. But now he's changed his hat from the salesman to the jailer. Hello, someone getting something. He sold you the deal. You, you were stupid. Yep, you're stupid. I get it. Thank God for the blood of Jesus to wash away all stupidity and cleanse us from ignorance. Does this make sense? But at the same time, until we get that right with God, the devil's immediately there in condemnation mode. You silly, stupid person. Man, how could you do that to all those people? How could you do that to Jesus? Man, there's no hope for you now. God's not going to accept you. You can't even look God in the eyes. Man, you shouldn't even go to church. They're going to know. Hello? See, the devil doesn't play fair. And so what happens is he said, as soon as he's got you to agree, now the hook's gone in. Now he's going to get you to do it again so he can put another hook in you while he's brainwashing you that you're a failure and discouragement starts to, to sneak in. Hello? Now, I'm just talking from the avenue of sin and failure. Remember, there's three or four other avenues where discouragement can come in, but I'm, I want to nail this one. Okay? See, that's why we have to take into captivity what? Every thought. Why would you be told to filter? See, we just changed the filter on our water, on our water machine and on our fridge. You know why? Because if I don't put a filter on that water, I'm going to be eat, uh, drinking all the contaminants and the toxic or the, the hazardous minerals that have come through those water pipes. I need to stop them from going into my digestive system so that they could harm me. And isn't it amazing in this culture how we'll put filters on water and all kinds of things? We won't put any filters on our mind. We'll, we'll think all kinds of crazy thoughts and we'll sit there festering on it for days, weeks and months until it's turned into a monster in our head that no one understands because you don't live in this world. And that becomes our defense weapon, our mechanism that no one can get near us. And actually, that's something that the devil programmed you into because you are so dirty. No one's ever been that bad. Ever heard that thing before from the devil? No one's ever gone that low. No one's ever been that messed up. Now, no one would understand. If you told anybody about this, everybody in your life would hate you. That is the devil. Okay, he, he's not only... So what he does is he sells you into it, then he condemns you, then he isolates you. True? And then he has you in a net of depression and discouragement and despair. Because you now trap. Why? Because you gave him authority by believing him. Here's the awesome news today. You can break that authority by disagreeing with him right now. When the thief is caught, he must repay. See, it's not that the thief isn't working. It's that you have to disagree with the thief and catch him. I see what you've done. Man, I thought that was me. Can you say this with me? I'm not that crazy. I'm really not that crazy. Because my Bible tells me that I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. That means I'm a smart thing. Okay? So when the devil's working on you like that, you, he always speaks, can I say this? Little, little key, little tip. Is someone getting something right now? The devil always speaks in the first person. He always speaks in the first person. He doesn't come to you and say, <clears throat> Hey, uh, Jeffrey. 
he comes in and says, hmm, haven't I been hurt by those people? You see? That's how he speaks. Because as long as the earth remains, social seed time and harvest. And he wants a harvest. So he's trying to operate in that same principle that we just operated in the giving because he understands it's a spiritual law that God instituted in the earth. So he's trying to put a seed in your brain. Because the seed, when it grows, it's, it becomes, the Bible talks about an oak tree. It's better to pull it out while it's in a seedling form or a green little green shoot than when it becomes a stronghold in your mind. Okay, we're getting this. This is good. <sighs> Thank you, God. Okay. For the law of the spirit, reading verse 2 now, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, watch this, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Yes, Jesus. The reason that you feel discouraged and trapped is because you feel connected to the law of sin and death. When Jesus died and rose three days later, he rose and he took captivity captive, sin and death. He took them from the devil. He took the power of death back off the devil. Remember? Death, where is your sting? Right? Jesus has now the right to forgive you. You don't need a lamb. So the law of sin and death that's working there the devil's trying to activate it to get you to ignore the cross. The only reason that would have power is if you believe the cross wasn't for you. That's the only way that you can be legitimately discouraged and depressed about the sin that you're messed up with is by not believing that the cross is applicable to your life. Wow. Sounds stupid when you say it out loud, doesn't it? It does sound stupid, but it's real. Because the, the devil has a, been a master for several thousand years of deceiving people away from the covenant blessing provision and breakthrough of God and he wants to steal your joy okay and we're not going to let him see can, can I say this to you if the devil has attacked you with discouragement despair or, or depression here's the awesome part of this news your comeback is going to be so full of joy he's not going to know what to do He's going to have to go back to the, the drawing boards and build a new weapon because this one's broken now. It doesn't work. Does this make sense? We need to talk about this stuff because as far as I'm concerned, is every Christian should be a happy Christian. This is what Paul said. He said, I have learned to have a lot and have a little. I've been in prison. I've been shipwrecked. I've had all these things, and yet... You didn't find Paul complaining or feeling bad about himself. Did anyone notice that? Yeah. Like he's in prison and he's writing with the same caliber as when he's in the palace. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Your circumstances shouldn't affect your discouragement or your despair levels. Those things should be zero. Your success or failure shouldn't affect your discouragement, despair, or any of those things. But if I could say this, that discouragement's not even yours. You need to return to sender. Right. You ever had mail show up that they actually not, for, like, it come to the right property, but it's the wrong person it's addressed to? Yeah. Right. And you need, to, you need to return it to sender? Yeah. You just need to return it to sender. Take captivity thought. Oh, yeah. 
you know what, devil, what, I see that you try to send me, send me mail, but this doesn't apply to me. I need to give it back to you. I, I really need to send it back to you. I had a friend once that actually had an encounter with an actual demon. He saw it with his eyes of fear. The demon was a demon of fear. Do you know what they told me? They said this demon was terrified of itself. I want you to understand how the spirit realm works here for a second. Because we talk about, you know, angels and God and the, and the spirit of God. I just want to just take a brief second. I'm going to teach you about it, okay? If you could understand what the spirit of fear actually looked like, you'd stop being afraid. Now, l- let me teach you by showing you how it is with God. When God comes into a room, you experience his joy, right? Now, that joy is not a thing. That joy is actually God himself emanating into an atmosphere. And you get happy because you receive the broadcast. Does that make sense? So in the same way, and in that, God himself is happy. Do you get what I'm saying? So in the same sense, you actually haven't got a powerful, strong demon that's full of confidence coming in. You have a terrified, withered spirit that is afraid of itself and afraid of every possible outcome of the judgment that's coming to it, coming near you, and you begin to feel afraid. Do you understand this? So you believe that it's this powerful, intimidating, dark fear coming over you, but it's actually a broken, messed up demon that's going to burn in hell forever. Do you see what I'm saying? And you just need to look at that thing and say, hang on a minute. This is mail that's addressed to me, but it's actually not applicable. I have the blood of Jesus. And I need to return this to sender. Okay, you remember when Jesus got off the boat in Gadaria? The man comes running up to him. What's your name? Legion for we are many. Remember? And they're like, we need to get out of here. Send us into the pigs. Remember that? Yeah. Demons are terrified of the presence of God. There is no answer that any... Look, can I say this? Anytime I've ever seen a demon manifest, deliverance, whatever you want to call it, I've never, ever, ever seen one win. I like deliverance. There's people like, oh, I'm really afraid of deliverance. It's just really... I feel really scared about it and it kind of freaks me out. I personally love it. (laughs) Personally. I love it. You know why? Because I get to see the goodness of God come and break chains that had no right being there in the first place of people and I watch hell lose every single time I don't care how messy it is I love it because the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to open doors to break chains to set the prisoner free you believe you're anointed but you won't touch that stuff I start to question if you're using your anointing right hello but you've got to walk in freedom yourself before you can bring it to anyone else You can't ever do anything for anyone that you're not walking in freedom yourself. Okay, I need to close because I've gone over time. Is someone getting something right now? Okay, real quick. I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures. I'm going to let them speak for themselves. So let's go over real quick to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. I had a young man come to me last week. He said, mature Christians should never sin. I said, dude, which Bible are you reading? I'm like, what? That is crazy. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on 
that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Do you notice here that he's talking about pressing on? The devil wants to stop that. He wants to stop you progressing. He wants to stop you becoming all that God's called you to be. He wants you to stop. He wants to stop you helping someone else that's just showed up at church that needs a whole lot of love. He wants to stop you speaking about Jesus to someone in the lunchroom. He wants to stop you loving on that one person that was about to kill themselves but now is about to become an awesome son of God. Do you get what I'm saying? He wants to stop you. Why? How? By trying to make you discouraged about your own life for no reason. Listen, I have every hope in heaven. Do I have sad things happen to me? Yes. Do I have things that upset me? Yes. Do I have things that disappoint me? Yes. Can that affect my emotions? Yeah, it causes a little bit of turbulence, but it doesn't stop the plane to fly. I go through it. I don't land in a crash. I'm going to carry on. Does this make sense? Okay, cool. Because we've been taught to be all soft and weak where, oh, I just need to put my whole life on hold. I need to quit the serving team. I, just, I, I think I need to take six months out of God and church and stop reading my Bible and see what happens. And we think because our parents never spanked us when we were kids that a tantrum is going to get God's attention. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Let's keep moving. <laughs> I'm leaving out the back door today. It's really nice to see you guys. <laughs> I'm going to turn out the lights as soon as I'm praying and then you're just not going to see me. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So watch this. I do not count myself to, apprehend, to have apprehended, but in other words, I'm not there yet. But this one thing I do, watch this, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. There's two things that can cause discouragement. One is when you remember the things that are behind and all your failures and all that, the track record of everything you've done, that can cause discouragement. The other way that you can cause discouragement by looking at the things behind is looking how awesome you were. Because now you're in pride and ego, and pride comes before a fall, and that's going to bring discouragement. Okay? So I forget the... Now, I have a track record of all the good things that God's done for me, but I don't have a track record of how awesome I am. Hello? But I also don't have a track record of how messed up I am. I just have a track record of how awesome God is. And that causes me to have hope. Does this make sense? So I forget those things, and I, sorry, I press towards the mark of the, high, of the high goal, upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, awesome. Next one. Psalms 3. Lord, how they have increased who, who troubled me. Many, this is Psalms verse 3, I'm reading from verse 1. Many are they who say, to, say of me, there is no help for him in God. Wow. That's a whole bunch of faith. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield to me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head, baby. You need to let God get so close to you that he is encouraging you. And when you're so busy feeling messed up looking to the ground, he's the one whispering. I have a plan for you. Don't give up. I have loved you from the beginning. You are awesome. You've been made on purpose. I don't even remember those things that you're crying out to me about anymore. And he starts to lift your head. And you start remembering, man, when I'm in the presence of God, I feel invincible. When I'm in the presence of God, I feel like I can make it. Who is it that actually brings any accusation against me because God's for me? So who can be against me? 
and you start feeling like the presence of God, his love and his goodness starts to lift your head. You're like, man, all that stuff that was discouraging me, that seems so stupid right now because God's with me. Okay. I love that scripture. If God is with me, who can be against me? That's, that's really legitimate. Yep, no one answered. Okay. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move real quickly. I've got I to gotta close. Psalms 40, I'm going to read one. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. Now, everyone talks about this one that's going, this is one of those classic Christian cliches that's going through tough times. I waited patiently for the Lord. Man, did you see the pit that I'm in right now? And we all like to talk about that stuff because we do get ourselves into extended seasons. But did you notice the way that this was written? The word number three, I waited patiently. I didn't wait negatively. I didn't wait complainingly. I didn't wait grumpy. All the ease you can find. I waited patiently. And I'm in a situation right now, but this situation is not who I am. See, David was an anointed king hiding in a cave. Not who he was, but he knew who he was. So, so stop letting your environment dictate your happiness. I preached a while back. That's the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is trying to find contentment in your environment and joy is having an inner contentment that can't be removed no matter what your environment is you need to get that happiness is what the world pursues joy is what the kingdom pursues okay okay last scripture first peter chapter three but sanctify the lord god in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense or an answer to everyone that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you now this it also says with meekness and fear. Now that's my last scripture. This scripture we use a lot in the kingdom for talking about preaching the word in an evangelistic sense. But can I go on to say this? This also has great power in you keeping your joy for the hope that's in you. Sometimes the person you need to give the answer to is Satan. Because when Satan's talking, you best have an answer. I think I said that a couple of weeks ago. When Satan's talking and you stay quiet, then his truth becomes established. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Oh, God's not going to come through. Shut up, devil. Yes, he is. He promised me that he would and that he was going to show me goodness and he was going to do this, this, and this in my life. And I'm going to be happy about that, even if it feels uncomfortable right now. Do you know what you've just done? You have just dictated to your environment and the atmosphere to shift. And every darkness and, and depressing thing that the devil's trying to put on you to get you to concede your joy just died. And Satan went running. This is, yeah, last scripture, I promise. Resist the devil and he must flee from you. When you speak out in response, he has an obligation to go running, screaming and crying. Get this? And you know what happens when you, see, when the, when the enemy's there, it's never comfortable. But you have to be brave and, and actually say something. And even if that looks like you quivering with fear in a corner, you start reciting, this is what God has promised me. I'm going to be this one day, and God's told me I'm going to have that, and I'm going to have breakthrough in my finances, or I'm going to be married one day with children, 
And, you know, God's told me he's going to give me this or he's going to give me that. Or that breakthrough's coming. And you just start speaking it out. You know what you do? Even if you have to start quivering in your voice, shaking in your body, you start speaking it. And you're going to watch your atmosphere shift. You're going to feel confidence rise. Discouragement's going to leave. And joy is going to be established. And your momentum will not stop. Someone got something today? Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. Father, we just thank you so much that you are so for us and there is nothing in the universe that can contend with your greatness, your goodness, your love, your joy, or your purpose over us. Today, God, we thank you for what you've spoken to us. God, we're sorry for just agreeing with discouragement, despair, and depression. We ask, God, that you would set us free, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, God, that, that those of us in this room that have felt like You know, we've just become conditioned to accept discouragement and despair and even depression. Father, renew our minds. As we we eat the word, as we really consume that book, that you would transform our minds, you'd wash our minds, so that we would stop thinking like that. That would not be our auto-default. That you would cause us to be optimistic and hopeful and full of joy, God. That we wouldn't automatically assume that dark place in our mind, but we would fight and contend for breakthrough, even when it feels like things aren't going our way or we've messed up again or, you know, any of those things because we know that you love us, God. You even said that a righteous man falls seven times a day. We, we know, God, that you are so good that there is no place that we could go that you wouldn't love us out of. So, God, we know that the things that the devil has tried to program us with are lies. And today, we divorce that idea that we're failures. We divorce the idea that, that darkness and depression and discouragement has to be the way that we think and operate. And God, we ask that even if it takes a season of transition, that you would teach us how to walk in joy and happiness and, and peace, God, and that depression, discouragement, and despair would not live as a cloud over our heads, but it would be under our feet as we walk out your purposes over each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.